Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hi, I'm Danny Kelly. You can join me, Jack Pitt-Brook, and the rest of The Athletic's frankly tremendous team of Tottenham writers twice a week throughout the new season for the View From The Lane podcast. It's the podcast that gives you everything you need to know about Spurs, as well as all the joy and pain of actually following them. Search for The View From The Lane everywhere you get your podcasts and listen ad-free on The Athletic. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL Podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game week one is done and dusted. Erling Haaland and Alexander Mitrovic bagged braces. Mo Salah did what Mo Salah does in opening game weeks. Pascal Gross down Manchester United. And Dejan Kulisevsky proved to be the highest scoring 8 million midfielder. On today's podcast, I'll do a quick review of Game Week 1, share my Game Week 2 watch list, which is made up of 30 players, answer questions from Twitter, and take a look at captaincy and potential transfers for the weekend. If you'd like to become an Athletic subscriber, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod to avail of the latest discount offer for new subscribers, which is just £1 a month at the moment. A brief review of how my first game week went, finished on 69 points, no injuries, no suspensions, so hopefully some straightforward decisions for game week two. The team I ended up with, I went for the two Leicester 4 million goalkeepers, not that it got me too many points, but in doing so, I downgraded Sanchez to Everson. And that allowed me to upgrade Perisic to Reese James. So that worked out quite nicely. Perisic was on the bench. James got seven points. The rest of my back line, double Liverpool defence, Trent and Robertson. Two blanks there. Cancelo did the business. Like Reese James, both players picked up yellow cards, but managed to get two bonus points each, which was very, very nice. Salah captain, pretty standard. Good return from him. A blank from Mason Mount. That was frustrating because I was basically between Kulisevsky and Mason Mount. I kept chopping and changing, ended up on Mason Mount, but more questions about Mount and the 8 million midfielders later. Martinelli on the score sheet, should have been on the score sheet twice, missed a very good chance. Bailey blank, but I'll give him a little bit more time. Holland did the business on Sunday, and a blank from Gabriel Jesus, but it was a very good performance, so happy to keep him long term as well. On the bench, Andreas Pereira, very promising performance from him as a 4.5 million midfielder. Great option for our benches. We can even play him in good fixtures. Nico Williams and Plange also on the bench. So overall, pretty solid start to the season. There's no 59th minute shoutouts in game week one. No dreaded 59th minute substitutions. Keep an eye out for them in game week two and be sure to tag me in a tweet when they happen. Taking a look now at my Game Week 2 watch list. So once all the games were completed in Game Week 1, 
I went through each of the 20 teams, sorted by round points and added the players to my watch list who I may be interested in buying in the near future. And more importantly, when it comes to that first wildcard, lots of these players will be in the running. So no goalkeepers on the watch list. I don't bother adding them because, again, don't usually change that position until the wildcard. So I'll be sticking with the two Leicester guys, most likely until I wildcard. Defenders, first up at Chelsea. So I've already got Reese James, but I've added Chelwell and Kukurea to the watch list. Chelwell got, I think, about 64 minutes, got the clean sheet. Kukurea came on for his debut from the bench. Kukurea is very interesting. He's only 5 million. He can play left wing back, can play left centre back. So I think he's going to become a very popular FPL option in the near future. So between Chelwell and Kukurea, probably most likely to go Kukurea because of his versatility. At Arsenal, Zinchenko. So I didn't opt for a defensive asset from Arsenal. Didn't go for Ramsdale. Didn't go for the likes of Gabriel or Zinchenko either. Just looking at the fixtures against Crystal Palace and Leicester in the first two game weeks, I didn't feel overly confident of clean sheets in those fixtures. Obviously, they went and got one. And Zinchenko got himself an assist and three bonus points as well. So there's a question on him later. I will come back to him. There was a very... Impressive performance at centre-back for Arsenal for Saliba. Been out on loan for, I think, three seasons before this one and came in for his first Premier League start and he was excellent. I think himself and Gabriel with Partey in front of them, they're going to be a pretty good defence this season. So Saliba's only 4.5, so you can save yourself 0.5 on Gabriel or Zinchenko and I think he nabbed two bonus points as well. So Saliba, 4.5, very interesting option. Perisic on the watch list, very close to being in my Game Week 1 team. Glad I swerved him. He's got Chelsea next, and I'll come back to him possibly Game Week 3 or Game Week 4. Trippier, another player who was close to being in the Game Week 1 squad. Good performance Game Week 1. Always got the attacking potential. Castagna at Leicester, got himself on the score sheet from a corner. Great header from a Madison corner. Castagna's on the watch list, but Leicester's fixtures are not great next three or four game weeks. So that's probably one again for the first wild card. And it's not just Castagna, he's added to the watch list because he scored. But if James Justin's going to be playing wing back on the other side, both of those players at 4.5 are going to be interesting options. Obviously, Pereira, unfortunately out long term again now so that's good news for Justin and Castagna when it comes to FPL final defender is Fabian Scher scored a great goal he is a goal scoring defender I think he averages something like a goal every six or seven games across his career so he's got a very very good goal scoring record he was in the starting 11 for Newcastle alongside Dan Byrne it was a bit of a surprise that Botman wasn't in there but again we don't really know who's going to drop out there when Botman does come in. It could be Byrne, could be Shar. We just have to wait and see. Um, but good start to the season for Fabian Scher. And again, he's a player, if he stays in the team, if he starts the first three, four, five games, he's a player we could look to on the first wild card as well. So that's the defenders. Chilwell, Kukurea, Zinchenko, Saliba, Perisic, Trappier, Castagna and Fabian Scher. On to the midfielders now at Tottenham. Hyungman's son, for obvious reasons, cracking player, amazing season last season. Not a huge return in game week one, but I'm sure he'll be in our teams at some point this season. Kulisevsky was probably the standout performer for me watching the highlights on match today. He was unbelievable against Southampton. Could have had even more points, so it could be another big, big season for Kulisevsky. His first full season at Tottenham. Yes, he's got a price rise from last season, but I think we need to ignore that. This guy is a special talent, and if he continues 
in the same vein that he did in game week one. He's going to be starting most weeks. I've seen a few people asking, you know, is Richarlison a threat to Kulisewski? I don't see it whatsoever because Kulisewski is just too good. If you are Antonio Conte, Kulisewski's in your starting eleven every single week. So Kulisewski, eight million. He's got Chelsea next, not ideal. There's a question about him later as well, so I'll come back to him. But you know, I, I wish I wish I went from in game week one because I love the guy. I do love Mason Mount as well, so there's a bit of hindsight in there. But again, fixture against Southampton was what I was eyeing up, so slight regret there. And I'm sure he'll be in my team before too long. Moving on to Chelsea, Raheem Sterling. I've got Mason Mount again. Question marks over, do we keep him now? Do we sell him? I'll cover that in the questions. I've added Sterling to the watch list. Decent debut in the Premier League for Chelsea for Sterling. He is expensive, but I do think he will score plenty of goals this season. So going to keep an eye on that as well. Jared Bowen added, now that he's got the Manchester City fixture out of the way. There's a decent run of fixtures for the Hammers now. Saka also added. So I've got Martinelli and I've got Jesus. I said I wasn't overly keen on the Arsenal attack and triple up in game week one. The closer I got to the deadline, I was more open to it. I was half considering going with Saka over Mason Mount. I think I am more open to the idea now, having watched a very impressive Arsenal performance in game week one. So I don't mind it. Martinelli, Jesus and Saka, I think that's absolutely fine. But there is value in that defence as well. So Saka is back in my thoughts. Luis Diaz, it was between him and Robertson for me. Obviously not a huge amount of difference in points in game week one, but Diaz certainly passed the eye test, hit the woodwork, you know, had a goal rolled out for offside, really good performance, and I think he's going to get plenty of FPL points as well. So again, that's something I'll revisit on the wildcard most likely. Do I keep Robertson or do I switch to Luis Diaz? But there's a certain Darwin Nunes who's in the conversation now as well. Phil Foden also added with a view to the Bournemouth fixture in game week two. Those of us who have Mason Mounts, only played 64 minutes, plays Tottenham next. Do we jump off and do we jump to another 8 million midfielder? And if we do, Phil Foden is an option played on the right for Manchester City, which is good news for us, fantasy managers, because now we know he can play on the right, he can play on the left. He could even play a false nine from time to time if, if Holland does get a rest in, in certain games. So Foden does look probably the most attractive of the Man City midfielders, the cheap ones, I should say. De Bruyne is obviously the most attractive. De Bruyne is not on my watch list because I've got Holland, I've got Salah, and I won't be looking to switch either of those two anytime soon. A few more midfielders, quite a lot of midfielders on the watch list here, actually. Trossard, one of the best players on the pitch against Manchester United. Marcus Rashford, he was in and out of my game week one draft. In the end, he dropped out of it. I think I've seen enough from him in game week one to, to still be in my thoughts. He's still very cheap. I think he had three shots in the box. So it wasn't a fantastic performance from any Manchester United player, but Rashford was, it was okay. And I think the main thing is he played 90 minutes, which is a good sign. So not ready to go completely off him just yet. Eriksen did catch the eye more so. You know, we know how good Christian Eriksen is in terms of, of chance creation. We know he can get goals as well. So I think it's a pretty close shootout between Rashford and Eriksen in the Manchester United midfield for the same price. And if I had to, if I was forced to buy one of them for game week two, I'd probably lean towards Eriksen now. You've got those set pieces as well. He was commanding corners, took a few of the indirect free kicks as well. So more avenues to points with Eriksen as opposed to Rashford. Some cheaper midfielders here as well. These are very much guys, just going to keep an eye on them. They had decent performances in game week one. Rodrigo and Aronson at Leeds. Aronson in particular, pretty exciting prospect for FPL. Huang at Wolves. He's a midfielder in FPL, playing as a striker while Jimenez is out. Neto in a lot of game week one teams. 
still in my thoughts as well. He's on the watch list alongside Podence. Podence was the goal scorer. So I've got Huang, Neto and Podence from Wolves. Now I'm not in a huge rush to get any of them. These are more of a monitor and wait and see because Wolves do have good fixtures. And finally, 4.5 million from Brentford. Da Silva scored a great goal. So I think Pereira is the best 4.5 midfielder, but Da Silva is certainly one to keep an eye on as well this season. Completing the watch list are six strikers. Harry Kane, quiet game week one, but we know what Harry Kane can do. Like I said, I'm pretty happy with Holland now, probably for the long term. So Kane is probably going to have to, probably won't be in my team for, for quite a while. Again, just reassess things when the first wild card is, whenever I decide to play it. Darwin Nunes, very impressive performance from the bench. Klopp, one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't go for him in their game week one squad, because it was pretty clear he wasn't going to start because Klopp kept saying he's he's had such a good impact. He used the word impact so many times and he certainly had a big impact in game week one like he did in the Community Shield as well. So at 9 million, certainly in the conversation because to me, he looks the real deal. I've not really seen him play before, before he joined the Premier League. This guy, I think, will very quickly become you know one of the first names in Klopp's team sheets because he, he looks that good. Obviously, small sample size, but first two performances have been really, really impressive. Couple of cheaper strikers, Patrick Bamford, impressive in game week one. Good to see him back. Callum Wilson, great goal. Lovely little flick over the goalkeeper. Ivan Tony got himself on the score sheet and he's got an easy fixture against Manchester United next. And finally, the main man, Mitrovic. What a performance that was against Liverpool. Love the guy. 43 goals last season. He is going to score plenty of goals this year. He will be good value in FPL. He's already proven that he's going to be good value in FPL. Yes, it's one game week, but I like Marco Silva's comments as well after the game. You know, we basically said, if you create the chances for this guy, he will score the goals. Everything is tailored in that Fulham team to get those balls landing on Mitrovic's head. And when they land on his head, more often than not, they go into the back of the net. So Mitrovic will definitely be in my team in the near future. Just a quick run through of those midfielders and forwards again. Son, Kulisevsky, Sterling, Bowen, Saka, Diaz, Foden, Trossard, Rashford, Eriksen, Rodrigo, Aronson, Huang, Neto, Podence and De Silva. And in the forwards, Kane, Darwin, Bamford, Wilson, Tony and Mitrovic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questions from Twitter now. Thanks as always to everyone who sent them in. You can do so each week at FPL General. I put out a post each week and you just reply with your question under that one. Usually send that out on a Sunday because I'm recording these now on Sunday evenings for a Monday release. First one is from Sertalp. Sertalp 
before I answer his question, I should say, Sertalp has an excellent podcast himself in Bass. It's called FPL Optimized. Go and check that one out when you get a chance. Sertalp asks, I would love to hear what you think about the Kane to Holland transfer. Sertalp says he doesn't think it's worth spending a free transfer for, but would be happy to hear the pros and cons of a move of this nature. And in brackets, spending a free transfer for short-term better fixture versus sticking to the plan. So Sertalp, it sounds like, got Kane game week one and wasn't really planning to do Kane to Holland game week two because, in his view, Kane has good fixtures after game week two. So it was, a, it was a get Kane, stick with him and stick to the plan. Now, my experience here is even if you didn't have a plan to get Holland, I don't think any plan is ever set in stone and you've got to be flexible. So I think it's... I honestly think now it's just an easy move because of what Holland did in game week one and because of the fixture in game week two and just simply how highly captained he's going to be against Bournemouth. You know, if you've already been stung by him in game week one and then he plays Bournemouth next and you don't have him again and he's going to be heavily captained, in a way you kind of just got to protect yourself. So I would be making the switch. And I think a lot of people probably already had it pre-planned anyway. But even if I didn't and I was planning to keep Kane... I think you've just it's it's just because it's Holland. I think you've got to make an exception for this guy because he is unbelievable. We've seen it all for ourselves, you know, maybe for the first time in game week one if you hadn't seen him play for Dortmund and stuff before or hadn't seen the Champions League. And if you've got Kevin De Bruyne behind him, you know, playing those balls in, he's a better player than Kane. He's playing in a better team than Kane and he's got better providers than Kane does as well. So all signs to me point to Holland and I think it's an easy transfer. This podcast will go out on Monday I'm seeing a lot of people on Sunday making the transfer straight away because Holland might rise in price overnight. And I think it's absolutely fine. I don't usually make early transfers, but sometimes you've got to. If you've got 0.0 in the bank, I would sell Kane for Holland and just, just be done with that and you'll you'll sleep better. So I know it's hard. You know, you, Again, you've got to weigh up how much did you believe in your plan beforehand and do you think it's justified to change the plan? But just, just breaking it down simply... If I had Kane now and he has Chelsea next and I didn't have Holland and he has Bournemouth next, I would just make the move. Question from Rhys Griffiths. Should we captain anyone but Holland for the rest of the season? So obviously a lot of these questions came in right after the Manchester City game. So a lot of a lot of high emotion involved in these questions. So good performance game week one from Holland. Looking at Manchester City's fixtures for the next five, they've got Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa. Absolutely nothing to be scared of there for Pep Guardiola and his team. So before the season started, a lot of people were talking about just captain and Salah every week and how quickly things change. Now we have people asking, should we just auto-captain Holland every week? I think we probably can for the next week or two. But I think we've got to remember Champions League is going to kick in. I think it might be after game week four. And that's where things are going to get a little bit scarier for Holland owners because Pep will rotate and there will be slightly more question marks over his game time. We've seen it, you know, he came off early today, albeit only about 10 minutes early. But maybe that is a sign of things to come. There has been comments, I think, from Holland saying, you know, choosing Man City because one of the reasons was they're going to, you know, they've promised to look after him. If he does need rest or he needs, you know, a little bit of less game time, he'll get it there whereas he might not have got it elsewhere. So for now, yes, you can auto-captain Holland because he's got Bournemouth next. I think Salah has Manchester United game week three, which, I mean, is a pretty good fixture itself, but then Man City have Crystal Palace. So if Holland does well against Bournemouth, 
everyone's going to be on him again against Crystal Palace. So yeah, I think you can auto-captain him until Champions League kicks in at least. Question from Moss Rollin. No Holland and no Salah in my team. Am I an idiot or do I stick with my plan and go without? Moss has Kevin De Bruyne and Harry Kane. So this is FPL in a nutshell. Moss went for De Bruyne and Kane game week one. Two very good picks with pretty good fixtures. And then Holland and Salah, obviously the more highly owned players do the business and it feels like a huge kick in the teeth right at the start of the season. But you don't panic. It's game week one. It's much better for this to happen in game week one than it is for it to happen to you in game week 37. You've got the whole season to claw back whatever you lost. And you might have, it's game week one, you haven't lost a massive amount of ground. So what you need to do there, if you don't have Holland and you don't have Salah, in that case, again, I'd probably be looking at getting one of them in this week. So you've got to decide, do you go KDB to Salah, which is always tricky if you don't have cash in the bank. You probably just make the easy move of Kane to Holland. That's what I'd be doing there. KDB himself is a really good option against Bournemouth. And then you probably just figure out a way to get Holland in the near future after that. But again, I think the main thing, it happens every season. After game week one, people start to panic. People think they've made terrible decisions. You didn't make terrible decisions. Picking Kevin De Bruyne and Harry Kane in game week one wasn't a terrible decision. They're perfectly viable picks who, on another day, both of them do really well. And Holland and Salah have quiet game week. So don't... Don't um, focus on the outcome too much. You know, focus on your decision-making process. And it was sound, so don't beat yourself up. That's just FPL, and that's that. That just happens over the course of the season. So don't don't overreact. Is the main advice there? FPL Sponge says after only one game week, is patience the key, and saving your free transfer to use it with more information and more options without a hit next week? Yeah. So good question. Again, it comes down to obviously specific teams here if you are without a certain player that you think is really important you then you probably don't save a transfer this week you probably go and get that transfer done whoever that is and that doesn't necessarily have to be Holland you might think Mitrovic is a must-have for this game week you don't need to necessarily save a transfer so in previous seasons I would have always said to myself bank a transfer as often as possible but when I was reading Sponge's question here one of my notes I put down beside it was do we need to be patient for wildcarding soon? So I think a lot of people will wildcard early, you know, between game week three and game week eight, sometime during that period. So do we need to save a transfer as often as possible this season as we would have previously for patient managers like myself? Probably not. And that's playing into my thinking with Mason Mount. Already, I'm kind of frustrated with Mason Mount. If this was last season, I would have just banked my transfer and played Mount against Tottenham. But my early thoughts here are, I've got no other issues I'm probably going to wildcard in the near future. Why not get rid of Mount, who's got a difficult fixture, and get someone in who's got a better fixture, who had a better game week one. So I don't think you necessarily need to be patient. If your team is in really good shape and you don't think you really have any weak links in your squad, two free transfers in game week three with another week of information, of course, is always good. But yeah, I would say don't be too passive either this season. You know, if there's a player you want and you've got a free transfer, especially in these first two or three game weeks, you probably just go out and get that player. Question from Eric O'Connor. Does the prospect of Zinchenko moving into midfield damage or help his FPL points potential or is he better off playing at left-back? So Zinchenko played left-back on Friday night, but he didn't really. I mean, he spent most of his time playing almost as a, as a central midfielder like he's done many times 
playing left back for Manchester City. They've got a lot of possession. He moves into midfield and he gets forward. He you know he creates chances and he has a couple of pops at goal as well. So I don't think it matters too much. I think when Zinchenko plays left back, he's going to end up in midfield a lot anyway. So he's basically going to play quite a similar position in most matches, whether you know on the team sheet beforehand you think he's a left back or a DM. So I think he could be a very, very good FPL prospect. Watching the Arsenal game on Friday, I know it was only one game, but Saliba was in there and Zinchenko was in there and it just looked really good. Uh, so, you know, Tierney might have to be pretty patient to get himself back in there. If Sinchenko just plays well every week, he's going to stay in the team. So so Tierney might not get back in too quickly. So, yeah, Sinchenko, I think, is a, is a really good FPL option. Question from Tropical FPL. I think this is going to be a question every single week. Which 8 million midfielder is most likely to score big this game week? So what I've done here, I've, I've listed them all and their fixtures. So I've kind of rated them. Based on fixture, really. So the City guys have the best fixture against Bournemouth. So Foden or Mares. Question is, do they play? I think. I think given Mares didn't play game week one, and Foden played on the right, Foden's more versatile. I would go Foden if you're taking a gamble on an eight million City midfielder this week, and that does tempt me from Mason Mount. Luis Diaz plays Crystal Palace. That's really good as well. If you don't already have three Liverpool players, I probably would just get Luis Diaz over a Man City midfielder. Saka plays Leicester. That's a pretty decent fixture as well. Kulisevsky's got a difficult one against Chelsea, but then he was the best performer in game week one, so I'd happily play him in that one. Madison plays Arsenal and Mount plays Tottenham. So I'd probably have Diaz top, then the City guys if you're up for a gamble, then Saka, then Kulu, and then Madison and Mount towards the bottom because they've got the more tricky fixture. So already I don't like that I'm rating my 8 million midfielder at the bottom of those seven players. Question from Bernardo. Is it worth transferring out Kulisevsky for Foden? Bernardo says he's tempted by the Bournemouth fixture, but Kulisevsky seems to be in good form and has good fixtures in three of the next four. So in the, in this scenario, one of my thoughts was when Kulisevsky was in my game week one draft, I, I said to myself, he's great for game week one, and then I'll lose him for a Man City midfielder game week two. But if I was in that scenario now, I would just keep him because he was too good even though it's Chelsea next, the fixtures are good afterwards and he could even get something against Chelsea. So Kulisevsky's performance in game week one would have changed my thoughts on that, you know, booking in a transfer for a Man City midfielder. Buying a Man City midfielder is a lottery. You could sell Kulisevsky and your Man City midfielders on the bench. So why not just keep the guy who you know is going to play against Chelsea? Kulu was that good. He could be a season keeper on that first performance. So give him another week and then, and then reassess things. Question from Alan Caw. Is it time to sell Bailey and Neto? No, both players have good fixtures. You didn't buy them for one game week. Give them another one at least and then come back to it in game week three. I think Bailey's got Everton this week. Can't remember who Wolves have, but I know it's a pretty decent fixture as well. So yeah, don't give up on those two guys after one game week. Turtle FPL asks, is Darwin the best third Liverpool asset or is it still a wait and see? I don't think we can say just yet he is the best third Liverpool asset, but he could even become the second best FPL asset at Liverpool if, if he if he plays like he did in, in the Community Shield and in game week one. He could you know surpass Trent as the second best Liverpool asset. So I still think for me Salah and Trent are, are right up there. And then it's a shootout between Robertson, Diaz and Darwin is certainly right up there with those three now. So again, just not enough information yet. So for me, Darwin is a wait and see. It's quite hard to get to him because you're not going to sell Holland. 
if you don't have, have Holland, you're going to get him. I don't think you sell Jesus yet. So, yeah, just give it another week and then maybe look to Darwin in, in game week three. That might be something to bank a transfer for. If you can bank a transfer this week, then maybe you can. it's much easier to get Darwin in with two free transfers in game week three. So, yeah, still a wait and see for me, but that could change very quickly. Question from FPL Marshall. After game week one, would you keep Manchester United assets or start moving them on, Rashford in particular? So it's Brentford away next for Manchester United. I would give them give them another week. I would rather bank a transfer than sell someone like Rashford. Like I said, 90 minutes, couple of shots in the box. Give them the Brentford game and then reassess it and give yourself two free transfers instead. Question from Erica Perisic, keep or sell? If you went for Perisic in game week one, I think you've made your bed now. You stay in your bed and you keep him. You hope he starts against Chelsea. If he doesn't, it's Wolves and Nottingham Forest after that. And surely he'll get the starts there. So if you've got him game week one, stick with it. Again, I would rather bank a transfer than sell Perisic this week. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Game week two captaincy now. I think it is a straight shootout between two players. Holland has Bournemouth at home. Mohamed Salah has Crystal Palace at home. So Salah did the business game week one. You could just leave it on him for a pretty good fixture against Crystal Palace game week two. But I just think Bournemouth is a better fixture, newly promoted team. So yeah, for me, it's going to be captain Holland against Bournemouth. If you've got Kevin De Bruyne and you don't have Holland... I think Kevin De Bruyne is a great captain for that fixture as well. So I think they're probably the three standout captaincy candidates for Game Week 2. So far, Game Week 1, Game Week 2, the captaincy has been pretty straightforward. Not too many candidates. And it could continue like that if Salah and Holland continue to bang. It's going to be captain one or the other most game weeks this season. Chelsea play Tottenham this week. So that is going to put people off the Son and Kane captaincies. In terms of potential transfers, so I always ask myself, first of all, can I bank a transfer? I think I definitely can this week, but it's whether I want to play Mason Mount against Tottenham after 64 minutes last week, or do I take a gamble? Do I get a Phil Foden, which does excite me? I would like to have Triple City for the Bournemouth game. I've got Cancelo already as well. The other options... Do I go to Kulisevsky, who I very nearly went for in game week one? I don't think I'll do that because it's Chelsea. Sack is another option. So at the moment, I'm probably leaning towards taking a gamble on a Manchester City midfielder for the Bournemouth game. And at the moment, it's Foden. So I'll give that a bit more thought over the week. I'll give Mares some thought. Grealish has to come in to under consideration there as well. Maybe if, if I want to save one million. But yeah, Foden seems the safest 
Manchester City if there's such a thing as a safe Manchester City midfielder. So Mount to Foden is on my mind. Could end up banking. So yeah, I mean it's Sunday night, so it's it, there's there's a lot to digest before I before I come to a decision. Other players on my mind, I would love to get Mitrovic straight in, but I'm not going to sell Jesus, so that is out of the question. Bailey, blank in game week one, but he's got Everton next, so happy to keep him as well. So to me, it feels like Mason Mount out or else banking the transfer. So hopefully nothing else crops up between now and the deadline. Best of luck for Game Week 2, folks. I'll be back next Monday and every Monday next week to preview Game Week 3. Hit subscribe so you don't miss it. If you'd like to hear more from me in the meantime, visit patreon.com forward slash FPL General, where you'll get an iTest podcast for every game I watch, a Thursday night live stream, and a team reveal before each deadline. Wishing you all green arrows. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.